0: In our final podcast of this set, we're again joined by Duncan Inverarity from ANL Good Body in Ireland, and we're covering other key relevant
1: employment topics um, in Ireland. Thanks, Ailey, and hi again, Duncan. Um, I wanted to start Duncan by asking about a topic that um is uh, is probably close to, to many people's hearts at the moment, but we've we've been following the press coverage of it, which is the um, the right to disconnect that I see you've uh, you've introduced recently in Ireland. Can, can you tell us a
2: little bit more about that and
1: and how it works in in practice for employers?
2: Thanks, Adam. Uh, the right to disconnect, I think, it, it, it's, it's certainly misleading. Um, it sounds wonderful. Does it really mean you have a right to, to disconnect? And I think the answer is is obviously no. The right to disconnect has been uh, heralded as a sort of a a monumental change to the way in which we should work, particularly by the trade union, uh, which is understandable. Uh, But it it doesn't really, in my view, represent a right to disconnect. What it is, it's essentially a restatement of current principles on matters such as occupational health and safety, in terms of working time, Um, And in terms of sort of common sense approaches to employees right to have a private life uh, away from work, we had um, a couple of celebrated cases involving employees who successfully sued their employer on the basis that they were checking their emails at night. And when the employer said, I'm not making you check the emails at night, the employee's response was, but you're not helping me to help myself, you're not preventing me from from." Uh, reading my emails at night, and they they were ultimately successful in in those cases. So the right to disconnect, or it's called the right to disconnect, or a code of practice on the right to disconnect, is in response to to those types of decisions, but also clearly in response to the pandemic and the difficulty people have in uh, separating their work life from their home life. You don't drive to work or get the tube or public transport anymore and to work. You simply walk down the corridor or down your stairs or into your kitchen or, or, or whatever you're doing. Uh, and it's the, the distinction between home and work is not only blurred, I think in a lot of cases it's simply non existent. So, as I say, yes, there is a right to disconnect, but it is just a restatement of obvious principles about mutual respect. Um, occupational health and safety obligations that employers have towards their employees, which effectively amount to, yes, you should be able to disconnect, but there's not necessarily a right to disconnect. And as I say, it's a code of practice. It's not a statutory instrument. It's just a guide, a guidance for employers.
0: That's really interesting. and then on a similar theme, theme, we've seen we've also read about kind of plans to introduce a right to work from home in Ireland. Um, can you tell us about how that came about and how, how that's likely to work in practice?
2: Yeah, so that's similar. It's a similar child of the pandemic. Um, in circumstances where we have, in Ireland, certainly in the UK, we've been working from home uh, in one form or another uh, pretty much full-time since... In Ireland, the 14th of March, 2020, which is the date which is etched in my mind, uh, when we all thought the world was going to end, but we all had to take whatever we had on our desk and, and, uh, and go home. Uh, and we've been doing that ever since. And in Ireland at the moment, we have five levels of restrictions and none of those five levels involve working in the office or returning to the office. So where in the UK, you may be more developed than we are, Um, we certainly aren't encouraging people to to go back to the office. So what does that mean in terms of a code of practice and and, and the right to work from home? The government, again, in response to calls from predominantly the trade union movement, uh, are introducing a right to work from home. Now, it's not a right to work from home, a bit like the right to disconnect. It's a right to request to work from home. So an employee has a right to ask their employer to work from home. An employer has to uh, objectively justify on business reasons why uh, a request would be refused. But we haven't got the the, the code yet. It's not going to come in until, uh, we believe, until closer to the end of the year. Um, and we don't know what the ramifications or implications are for an employer who refuses the right to work from home. Uh, so yet to see it. Uh, I would imagine that employees are going to be able to justify uh, objectively on business reasons why it's not appropriate, but against that, uh, it clearly is the argument to say, look, we've been doing it for 18 months. Why suddenly do you need me back in the office? So I, I think it's going to be a fertile ground of litigation. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. There was one case in Ireland where an employee was being, sorry, was required to come into work as an essential worker. She was an accommodation officer in the university. Uh, And she lived with vulnerable people and she said to her employer, I don't need to come in or I've come up with an arrangement with my fellow workers where I'm not required to come in and the employer refused her request and she took a constructive dismissal claim and was successful. So again, that's just a a, a look into what what, uh, may come down the track. Uh, And I think in circumstances where we've all been working from home for a considerable period of time. Uh, It will be uh, it will be interesting to to what employers reactions to this are going to be and indeed employees reactions. Yeah, really
1: interesting. And we've seen some claims as well um, on on similar themes, some successful, some unsuccessful. And as always, it comes down to your justification um, for the approach and and how well you you put your your arguments forward in in relation to that. I suppose on the other side of the coin on that and employers sort of wanting people to work from home going forward, you know, we've certainly seen, um, you know, a real trend of employers moving to a hybrid model, wanting to give people that flexibility, some very much leaving it up to, to individuals, others wanting to save money and reduce desk space and, and, and so on. Um, written an awful lot of uh, of hybrid working policies recently, and and you know, the intel we're getting is that that's one of the first questions potential recruits are asking businesses now is to is to see their policy or understand what their their policy is in relation to hybrid working. Are you seeing those sorts of uh, those sorts of trends in Ireland as well?
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about that, Adam. Uh, Ireland is home to a lot of European. Uh, headquarters for particularly American multinationals and we're getting a lot of inquiries about uh, what happens if we don't reopen our office uh, what happens if we allow employees to work abroad uh, and so on so all pointing to the fact that they won't be returning to an office situation that they left in March 2020 and um, there are the competing issues, it seems to me, and which are coming up, are the culture of organisations. And while, it, while physically people don't need to be in an office, one thing that strikes me, and, and certainly a number of clients have discussed it with me, is maintaining the culture of an organisation when it is being done remotely. Um, even in a hybrid situation, you might have people who are coming in two or three days a week there are some who won't come in at all, so it's maintaining that culture. It's maintaining things like work allocation. Do people get the the right amount of work? If you don't, you know, if they're not physically present, are they getting the right type of work, the right mix of work? So, you know, my view, I do think um, employers are looking at reducing office space. And, and like you, it's a fairly common phenomenon and, and, and common questions that we're being asked. Um, I think it will be. Um, a matter of time, I think eventually be going back to the office in greater numbers than we probably think we will at the moment because there is such, I think, a cultural void uh, in, in, with employers where employees are working from home on either a full-time basis or for a, a majority of their week. But it's, uh, it, it's, it's a really interesting issue. And as I say, not dissimilar to what you're going through at the moment.
0: It's going to be it is going to be really interesting to see how that all pans out, I think, um, from from a UK perspective, particularly in London, we see quite a lot of employers expecting people to start to come back from September, which obviously now isn't very far away. So um, we might we might start to see the kind of consequences of that sooner rather than rather than later here. So,
2: yeah, yeah, it's not dissimilar here, as I said before, like the government have five levels, none of which involve a return to work, so there is. There will be increasing pressure on government and the public health organizations to start talking about returning to work. So we have our employer body, uh, IBEC, uh, would be quite vocal on this, that there needs to be some encouragement to return to the workplace. I think the government, and, and it's just my opinion, of course, the government and, and our public health advisors are quite nervous about that happening um, it seems to me that they will try and get over the hump of the return to school, which is in the beginning of September, before mm-hmm. they relook at this. But the noises from governments up until probably four weeks ago were, were September, that, that they would see return a return to the office in some form in, in September. But that has gone extremely quiet, I think, on back of the Delta variant, which is out there at the moment. Mm-hmm. But as Ireland increases its vaccination rates, which are quite impressive at the moment, Uh, you would think that that's uh, going to encourage people back to work, but also necessitate the government to start giving some guidelines, because at the moment there are none.
0: Yeah, but are there any other um, particular trends that you're seeing emerging as a result of the pandemic?
2: Yeah, I mean, as we are all experiencing, I mean, I've mentioned the, the place of work, particularly working abroad and the issues that that creates uh, in terms of tax, in terms of visa implications uh, uh, and the lack. You know, that a lot of employers don't even know that their employees are working abroad uh, and they've been paying them blissfully through the normal payroll run, yet there could be some in some other jurisdiction uh, amassing some fairly significant tax, uh, tax burdens. Um, the other issue which is big and I have mentioned it is the issue of vaccination and what can employers do uh, where employees are not vaccinated, uh, the Data Protection Commissioner in Ireland has said that it is not appropriate for employers to ask their employees have they been vaccinated. So employees don't have that uh, don't have that right, and they will fall foul of data protection uh, if they ask their employees to confirm whether or not they're vaccinated. Uh, and that's on the basis that the uh, the public health guidelines remain whether you're vaccinated or not that it is sensitive personal data or a sensitive category of personal data that an employer is not entitled to ask for so it's not a big issue at the moment because people aren't returning to the office but i'd be fairly sure that when uh, employees start to return to the office this will become an issue so for example an employee says i'm not returning to the office until i know my co-workers are vaccinated um and then how are we going to deal with that um, I don't propose to give the answer now, but they are issues that that will come to the fore, I think, pretty quickly uh, and will be really interesting issues to, to, to try and deal with. Um, so that's not too far away, but happily not something that I'm resolving today.
1: Yeah, that, that's definitely a trend that we've seen even in the last few weeks of, um, of you know, as, as employees start to return, seeing those sorts of those sorts of issues come up and those questions asked and how you sort of on the one hand provide comfort to people whilst on the other hand you know respecting the individual rights in that area is, is, is a challenge um, and then even more so for businesses that have any sort of customer facing or client facing uh, angle to them um yeah,
2: yeah i think it's really important about the, the just communication towards employees as well about so the expectation of them coming back to work uh, that, that you need to ease people into that because people have been, self-included and, and and you guys and Travis Smith, people have been working from home for a long time and to expect them to suddenly return to the office, to return to public transport, uh, to sit on a train for a couple of hours it, it is a big ask for employees. Uh, and it's, it's how that's managed by employers and what comfort and what communication and, and so on are offered to employees to to encourage them to come back to work
1: absolutely and you know you you gave the example of the you know working from a different country I mean that that's been a massive issue that we've been helping clients grapple with because as you say there are significant tax implications but you know on, on the other hand if someone has moved back to live with their family the idea that they're suddenly required to attend an office in in London or wherever is um it is a very emotive, emotive subject. In, in some situations, um, clients have found this is brought out of the woodwork, people that were already working from home at least part of the time um, in another country. And um, how you then deal with that is uh, is, is is tricky as well. So uh, a yeah. Yeah, lot to be thinking about.
2: Yeah, there's lots. I mean, so in that situation, employers, an advice that I've given an employer is to say, look, you need to start... I hate using the word socializing the idea with your staff generally, that your place of work is Ireland and you're expected to be in Ireland, whether they are or they aren't, you don't know. But just to start introducing that concept to say that you know you, you, your place of work is in Ireland, if there are any issues associated with tax, it's your issue and so on. Now, how robust that will be is yet to be determined, but it's just acknowledging that, that these issues are out there and that they need to be addressed. So,
0: absolutely. Um, so that covers um, everything we we're going to cover on the pandemic. Is there anything else that you think we just need to be flagging um, to employers that is perhaps different from the UK?
2: Just one one thing more, Ailey, if I Could and briefly, we have i I've said before, mentioned before we have our Workplace Relations Commission, which is our major employment forum uh, for employment rights equality. Uh, and industrial relations types type issues. There has been a recent decision of our Supreme Court um, where it determined a challenge that the the whole system was effectively unconstitutional. Uh, So it was kind of all duck, no dinner type decision. Um, It either was or it wasn't. And if it wasn't, that would cause all sorts of issues for a lot of people, including ourselves. Uh, What the Supreme Court found was that it was... Uh, constitutional. In in fact, it it came within the constitution and it administered justice. Um, But what that meant, they said it had to change its procedures. So uh, I just, the the only thing I would mention in addition to what we've already discussed is that there are some fundamental changes going on with our employment fora uh, insofar as the practice and procedures are concerned and they will become more court-like more judicial than perhaps people have experienced in the past. So that's something that employers need to be very conscious of. That
0: makes sense. Okay, thank you, Duncan. That's been um, incredibly interesting and um, it wraps up our series covering um, uh, issues of employment employment law in Ireland. Um, If anyone has any queries on the topics we've discussed during these podcasts, please do get in touch with us or Duncan and we'll be back next month covering another jurisdiction.